Hey everyone, it's Gavin from the Majors Mess Hall podcast. This is uh, episode 132. Uh, we're joined by Craig. Yeah. And uh, as I'm sure most of you know, uh, Todd has decided to step down um, from the podcast and will no longer be with us. So we've got Kelly standing in today. How are you doing, Kel? I'm good. How have you been? Yeah, not too bad, yeah. Just playing the Ghostbusters video game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, was, it says it's remastered, but I can't see a difference. What, like on the PlayStation? Yeah, uh, Xbox. the Xbox, yeah. Like, it's, I, I had it, and you don't care, this is, means nothing to you, but I had it on the Xbox 360, <clears throat> and then I got it on the Xbox One, which is the system above that, because they remastered it. So basically, they made it look better. And it, it, doesn't, it looks the same. It looks just, like cheaply made. <laughs> so what, are you like one of the characters? You're, like Bill you, you play yeah, Bill Murray's characters in it, but you play a rookie, so you play somebody that doesn't have a voice. He's just there. He's like a new recruit, and it's the right. original voice cast that voice it, like uh, Harold mm. Harold Ramis, who played Egon, who passed away years ago. He's I mean, obviously did it before he died, <laughs> obviously, and uh, yeah, the whole the whole cast is on it. So it's it's good. It's real. It's like they call it the third movie because it's like a story after takes play after takes place after the second film, basically. Were so. they doing a remake of that again? I yeah, like the women's well, version. They, are, the... they have done a. Re- I'm on a Ghostbusters kick at the moment. I always have been because I loved it since I was a kid. But they did the woman's film in 2016, and we were literally saying no more on that because it was terrible. Not because the women were <laughs> in it; it was just a bad film, wasn't it, Craig? Yeah. And um, they've made another one now. Oh, what's it called? Afterlife. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife, and it's uh, it stars Paul Rudd, who you would know as. All right. Yeah, 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 oh, you know he is. Okay, yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know him as Phoebe's boyfriend from Friends, but he's also do, most yeah. famously known as Ant-Man now. Ant-Man and yeah. Mike Hannigan. I got it. There you go. Uh, yeah, so he's so he's in it, and uh, apparently the original cast are in it, but it was supposed to come out this year, and because of COVID, because oh, right. of COVID, it's been pushed back to next year now, so I'm gutted. Oh, so, you'll be first to the cinema for that, won't you? Yeah, if it's, it, well, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it comes out in the cinema, but I can't see them pushing it back any further, so if it doesn't, it's probably going to go straight to, like, you know, 
pay-per-view type thing like they've done with other films but um me and charlie are going as ghostbusters for halloween so i'm looking forward to that Aww. i've got like it's my excuse to get dressed up so i've got like the full proton pack that lights up and everything. He's just got like a little, it's like a little foam one. It's not even like, but mine's the proper one that lights up. And like, I've got the, the ecto goggles and all that. It's, it's sad, really. It's actually sad. No, but. I think your your costumes get a lot of attention. And the, the Back to the Future one, everyone was stuck on your face. Yeah, like the Back to the Future one. Was, that's what kind of what I want to do again. So like now, because I bought the ghost trap for me. And again, it lights up and stuff. It's a collector's <laughs> item. Oh, you've got all the light up stuff. And yeah, Charlie, pro- you have to get Charlie light up stuff. Well, he, he hasn't. He hasn't got a light up one. So what I've done is I've got a cardboard box, and I've, uh, <laughs> I've like taped. You will see it. It's gonna look good when it's done. But I'm gonna turn it into a ghost trap. So, look, but you've seen the car for Back to the Future. I turned his little cart into a DeLorean time machine. And it looked really yes. good. I put so much effort into it. So I'm, I'm basically Everyone doing the same with, with some of the Ghostbuster stuff for him. So it'll be good when it's done. Are you making that into a little Ghostbuster car? No, it's not a bad idea. But no, I'm not I'm not bothering with that now. I'm just going to... Uh, you just go in there, walk around. I'm just going to make him some cardboard equipment to like... But I'll make it look <laughs> like it. I'll spray paint it so it looks real. And he can Aww. carry that around. So yeah, that's, 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 that's what cute. I've been up to. So what, Craig, what have you been up to? Uh, nothing, boss. We're fucking around this holiday. <laughs> oh yeah, tell us about that. Tell us about. So, if, hang on. Before you, t- let's just give a backstory. You booked a holiday in 2018. God, <laughs> was that long ago? Um, I feel like it was. It was last year, I suppose. You know. Um, if she's there, mate, just ask her. Year. If Leanna's there, ask her. It was early this year. When I can remember, it was uh, Thomas Cook got fucked. It couldn't have been. No. Oh, yeah. That was, that, was last year. That was last year, mate. Yeah. Thomas Cook oh, was yeah, last yeah. year. It's literally been that long. So Thomas Cook. Last year, but then it was last year, but we were supposed to go earlier this year. Yeah. And COVID fucked it. So basically, the 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 company Thomas Cook that you'd originally booked with last year fell through and went into liquidation, and you basically you you managed to rebook with another company for this year, and then COVID happened and it's got cancelled, yeah. and then it got rescheduled for this month. And now, what's happening now? David Hayes has already told me, but you can tell me. Turkey's now on the um, was it uh, the scrappy? Oh God! The COVID list, yeah. Oh, there's COVID list, yeah. So you have to, you well, have well, to. I don't know the other way. The quarantine list, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. It's so is it when you go there, you have to quarantine, or when you come home, you have to quarantine, or both? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you can still. Well, yeah, you can still go, but. Because um, some of them you can't go out your room, can you, for like 14 days and then you have to... Pointless, so it's pointless it? actually going, isn't it? Yeah. Just quarantine in your room. You can't even go to the pool or anything. Or there's some that let you go, but you quarantine when you come home for two weeks. Stupid. So uh, so that was on Friday, all that shit happened. And then literally under an hour when I got home from work, we were able to book another holiday. <laughs> so now you're going to Rhodes now, aren't you? Yeah, in Greece. Yeah, it's meant to be nice there, you know. Greece is nice. Greece is lovely. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, mate. Not, not, not that it's my holiday, but I would rather go to Rhodes than Turkey if it was me. So I, I, to me, that's a good thing. Yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm scared now, though. Why? Because uh, Leanne put this on me today. Cause she, she, she forgot to tell me, but apparently when you arrive at the airport in Rhodes... Uh, this this might not happen. It just depends what the situation is. But you get given like a like a code or something like that, 
and uh, you get picked at random, and they take you to this room to uh, see if you've like they scan you to see if you're like like positive with it or, or if you have any of the symptoms and all that. Oh yeah. And if you okay, have, so you fucked yeah. basically. So you have to spend the entire holiday separated from whoever you're going with. No, no, surely not, mate. They must, they must put, they must put you together. Surely they wouldn't do no, that. No, Leanne told me that uh, a family went. Uh, the guy was showing symptoms, and he got separated from the whole family, and he had to put into another room. Wow. I think they probably take your temperature out there, and they ask you if you've got a cough or you've had any. Some, oh, yeah, some... Well, you know, I mean, people saying it's fine, it might not happen, but you know, it's just it's just one of them. Not not me and Leanne will probably end up worrying about. Yeah. And like you said, it's random, isn't it? So it's like the drugs test when you're in the airport, it's random or you know, they test your bag, don't they, if you had each random person or they like give you a random check through the security. So you might not even get get pulled to a side, but um some countries have been making you actually get a test before you go. You have to pay privately, you have to test. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what I would have to do, like if I was because my work won't let me back in. So if like if something happened, I'm pretty sure now, if something happened and I had to come home for whatever reason, good or bad, um, I think I could come back. But I'd have to quarantine there and quarantine here when I come back, which is, would be a nightmare. But I think, like you pointed out to me, that if I got tested when I got back and I got and I was reading okay, I'd surely I'd be allowed to go back to work, wouldn't I? Because that's it. Yeah. You literally cleared then. Yeah, I just pay privately if it was me. Oh yeah, like definitely, hundred <clears throat> percent. Yeah, so it's just horrible this whole thing, isn't it? Like it's just everything's up in the air. But what can you? At least do? you're having a holiday. So when you're going, Craig, in a few weeks or this month still. Wednesday, Wednesday morning, I believe. Oh, David, not long. Day, uh, day, day to take yeah. oh, he's like well on board. You know what he's like? He's like he takes it dead serious, don't he? So like he told me he goes he texted me the other day to tell me special that he was taking you to to the airport. He's like, uh, don't know if Craig said anything, and I think you know Craig said nothing because Craig tells me jack shit. <laughs> he goes, Don't know if Craig said anything, but he is uh, is uh, unfortunately his holiday is cancelled and but he's going to Rhodes and I'm like, you know, and then he tells me that he's picking you up on Wednesday morning and so he'd be all geared and he'd be going to Tim Hortons on the way up on the way home. Oh, uh, I hope he has a side when you land. That's the thing when da- David like he's picked me up a few times from the airport and David loves driving so like he'll pick it up and then he'll take it on the, he'll literally look and there's like signs for altering them and it's like why are we going to altering them and he goes just a, just a different route home and it's like I don't want to take a different I want to just go home why have you come off the <laughs> fucking tired. motorway yeah I'm knackered <laughs> I've just done the fucking seven hour, seven hour flight I want to go home and he's like driving around going have you seen that the roofs on those houses over there are made of tin and I'm like Dave I don't care <laughs> Oh, bless him. Loves, <laughs> loves being chauffeur. I hope he, he has a little sign. I feel, I feel sly in him one time because we had our friend Matty, uh, who lives here, he came to the... When we still lived in the UK, me and Dina, Matty came over to visit us. And Matty's like this, like... He's a gay guy and he's like very, like... Um, straight to the point, isn't he? Matty. You know, yeah. you know Matty, don't you? So... Uh, he, we were, he picked us up from the airport or we'd been out somewhere and we'd been driving everywhere and we were literally like dead close to home like really close to home we were at the top of Clawton Village and all, it's literally just at the light it's a straight drive down and all of a sudden we just see David's indicator go on like he was signalling to go left and I, I just looked at him and I was like what? I said where are you going Dave and he goes oh I'm just going to go up this way here 
And so and we sat there dead silently and I just like looked at Matty and Matty was like, he just had enough. Like he just wanted to go home because he was knackered and he just goes, are we nearly home? And David goes, yeah, we're uh, we're almost home. And then I just, you just see him flick the indicator off and he went straight and I felt tight. I was, I felt really sly on him that he'd had to like, he had obviously had a little plan to go one way, probably to show Matty something, to be fair. He probably wanted to point something out to Matty and go, seeing this, Matty, because he's not from there. And when Matty was like, are we nearly home? He's just like, oh, and he just <laughs> he's flicked it off and just went straight instead. I felt so bad. Oh, I would have just let him go if it was me. I'd have been like, oh, just it's fine. Let's go where you go. But he's very straight talking. Yeah, he was he just straight to the point. So, are we nearly home? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. Right, anyway, moving on. Um, we do have a guest this episode. We do. And this was, this was a, a, an absolute joy for me and Kelly as well because we were the two that did this. It's, um, it's with a guy called Chris Amu, who's the lead singer of the 1970s um, it's like soul funk band, The Real Thing. Now, The Real Thing, um, the most most famous for this song, You To Me Are Everything, which like I'm going to play a little intro of it into the interview so you, you can get a gist of what it's like. Everyone knows it. But um, they, they're still together today. I mean, like you know, a couple of the, the members have, have since passed away. Uh, most recently, um, Chris's brother, Eddie, he was in a band, passed away in 2000, and, I want to say 2018, 2000, no, 2019 maybe it was. It was very recently anyway, and um, there's only Dave and Chris left, and the two of them are still performing as a, as a, as a duo now, and uh, he, he, they're still holding it together. I honestly don't know how people do it. That You start off in a, ba- a full band, you know, especially like a vocal group with the harmonies and stuff, and then yeah. they still manage to do it, and there's only two of them, and they really do do it. Like There's videos of them at the Philharmonic in Liverpool performing live, and they've got a, they've got a full, you know, full band behind them. They're the ones doing the singing, and it's just incredible. It's absolutely amazing. And to talk to him, and I won't go into it now because I talk about it in the interview, but um, the real thing have played a big part in my musical history as well, uh, performance-wise. And so to, to get to talk to the lead singer of the band was absolutely amazing. I, I know I say that on every episode, it was amazing, but it really was. like to. And he's from Liverpool. You'll notice when you listen as well, guys that are listening, my, my accent changes because I'm talking to a scouser. <laughs> so I can't help that. It just changes when I'm talking on here. I speak a little bit more proper, shall we say, so that you can understand me. But when Chris, <laughs> when Chris got like, if you listen to the last interview we did with Denise, AJ McLean's mum from the Backstreet Boys, um, I'm talking really like, hi Denise, uh, you're, you're looking lovely there. Uh, you, how are you doing? You're okay. But like w- when Chris comes on, I go, um, all right, Chris, oh, you got your webcam on there, mate. Oh, I'll put mine on for you. And it just changed. I've just got. I can't even help it. <laughs> It's like it just goes out the window when I'm talking to someone from home. Yeah, it's it's totally different. I'd listen to both because we did both interviews almost back to back, and like you can tell that like one is like I'm talking proper, and the other one I'm I'm full on like as if I've never left the UK. It's crazy, (laughs) but it was good, wasn't it? Talking to him, it was really nice. Do you know what? Everyone has danced to that song at a wedding or a party. It's so well known, and. I didn't know enough about the band until you said, oh, watch that documentary. Yeah. So I watched it, and it was just like, wow, that's so amazing, like, what they've done. Yeah. And then to talk to him, he was such a nice guy as well, wasn't he? It yeah, just, he was. And it felt so familiar as well, because he's from where we're from, and it was just, yeah, it was really nice to talk to him. Yeah, so they're, they're most famous for um, You To Me Or Everything, and Can't Get By Without You is their, like, second biggest hit. Yeah. Um. And that's the one I I've performed. But Craig, have you heard of of uh, 
the real thing and uh, you to me are everything. I'll have to listen to it. I don't know. Sing a line of the song for him. He'll uh, know. He, I know he knows it because uh, everyone knows it. You he to me know. are everything, the sweetest song that oh, I can yeah, sing. Yeah, see, yeah. see what I mean? Even just me singing the first few lines, <laughs> Craig yeah. knows what it was. It's uh, it's a really famous song and it's like it's played at all weddings and everything, especially in the UK. And uh, yeah, it was just. I love talking to musicians anyway, but to talk to a musician that's from where we're from, uh, there's a connection there between me and, and my band. Um, it was just really nice. So I'm, I'm looking forward to playing that. And we're going to play it now. Kelly is going to introduce it for us. Yeah, and it was nice that he actually turned on his webcam, so it just felt a bit more... Yeah. That was the weird thing that like Denise did, we recorded with Denise, she put her webcam on as well and then Chris had his on as well. We didn't, we didn't ask for that and it's, but it's really nice because it makes a more, more of a connection and I put mine on for him as well. So we was, we were <laughs> actually looking at each other while we were talking and it's just, it, it, it's so much nicer to do that rather it than just It does feel chat. more personable, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, this is the interview with um, the lead singer of The Real Thing, Chris Lemu. Oh, you to me are everything, the sweetest song that I could sing, oh baby, oh baby. To you I guess I'm just a clown who picks you up each time you're down, oh baby, oh baby. You give me just a taste of love to build my hopes upon, you know you Going, Chris. It's oh, good. <laughs> so, have you been? How you been getting on with um, the whole lockdown the last few months? Any DIY or anything like that? Just been doing the best I can, really, same as everybody. Um, <laughs> I've got mus- I've got muscles in my spit now because I've been doing so much uh, <laughs> lifting and gardening and all the rest of it, you know. Yeah, but, Perfect. Um, yeah, you know, just been. Um, like you say, doing a lot of um, stuff around the house and things, but mainly um, just getting more creative, you know, just trying to um, come up with things and um, doing things for our stage show and things like that, you know. Oh, perfect. We finally get back on the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've actually seen you on them this morning during the whole lockdown period. And yeah, um, we you dedicated. You and Dave, yeah, you dedicated a song to the NHS and Can't Get By Without yeah. You. And it did make yeah. me a little bit emotional, I've got to admit. <laughs> Makes me emotional. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're doing the work that we've lost out of. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, did you manage to do anything musically while you've been off? Yeah. Yeah, we've done quite a lot musically. Um, like I say, you know, it's given me time to reflect on, especially a lot of the ideas that Eddie and I were working on before he died. Because we've been so busy since then, um, basically just getting our our, our show together um, to suit a duo, that I haven't really had time to um, to get back in to the studio to our studio and uh, just work on some of the ideas that we were working on before he died. You know, so that's been fantastic. I've been able to do that, and um, you know, yeah, that's what we've been doing. As I say, just trying to be as creative as possible. Well, that was one of my questions, actually. Is it, obviously, it, it must, or has it been a really big adjustment for you to, you know, go from being, a, you know, a band to essentially a duo? Has that been a really big adjustment? Yeah, it has. Um, 
to be honest with you, at first we weren't sure what to do. We were left with a couple of options. Either we could pack in or we could try and replace Eddie. In other words, keep the lineup the same, bring another singer in, which would have been easy enough to bring a singer in. Yeah. And then we decided that if we did, number one, we didn't think we could replace Eddie emotionally or sound-wise. And to bring somebody else in then, it wouldn't have been the real thing anymore. It's, it's hard yeah. to imagine it. It just wouldn't have been the real thing anymore. Even though there's only two of us, it's still the real thing because Dave and I actually formed the band anyway. Um, so, and also you've got the original sound because I did 99% of the lead vocals. So you still got that. And so basically in order to keep that same sound and to keep that same ambience, what we did is instead of replacing Eddie, I just basically sung Eddie's parts on tape so the keyboard player can play them along with us when we're singing. So we've, we've still got that nice three-part real thing right. harmony yeah. without having to change the look and the dynamic of the band. Uh, but it was difficult. Um, you know, when this, first of all, there was four of us, so we had to get adjust to another dynamic. Then yes. with the three of us for so long, it's like it's amazing how each of us do our, our own thing while you're on stage. Yeah, and you also all brought a different aspect as well. It's amazing how important it is, each individual. Yeah. So when yes. you take one away, it's a big chunk. It's not just a case of losing a voice. It's a big chunk of your your whole work ethic on stage that's gone. You yeah. know, like while I'm working the middle, say Dave could be working over to that side of the audience, and Eddie would be over there. So you get all the audience at once. Yes. Yeah. When no, I get that, yeah. Slightly different dynamic, you know. But um, we're through it. We are through it. And it's working very, very well. And um, so, yeah, we're back to being the real thing, uh, Jill. You yeah, know, <laughs> it, it, it does work. Like, I've watched some of your performances when you were a three-piece, and then I've seen some of just you and Dave. And, like, you know, initially before I seen you and Dave perform on your own, I was thinking, that's a major loss because I'm a singer myself and, you know, I, I could hear yeah. the three-part harmony there, you on the lead and then your yeah. brother yeah. On, the, on the top end and Dave on the low end. Yeah. That, that's quite a lot to lose, but you guys really do make it work just as a two-piece. Yeah. yeah. So I think you've yeah. made the right decision there, not bringing anyone else in. That, that definitely just a two-year yeah. sounds perfect. It's brilliant, you know. I mean, people knock a lot of technology now and things like that, but I think... And I always have thought it's an absolute godsend because if we'd have had this, what we've got now, then, back then, we'd have been a totally different band to what we are now. Um, yeah. the, the, the sky was the limit. We, we would have had to have relied on nobody else. We wouldn't have had to have lost some of the songs that we lost in the making because we could have done it like what we're doing now, you know. And like I say, to be able to have that lovely top part without changing the whole dynamic of the group is amazing, you know. Um, so, you know, thank God for technology. That's all. I and mean, you'd know that being the singer, you'd know the, yeah. the beauty of it now, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, used, I used to be in a, in a vocal group myself years, 20 years ago now. And like you say, we didn't have any of this stuff, you know, even 20 years ago. Yeah. 
So having it now, yeah. it's like it's quite frustrating because we're, we're not together anymore. But I talk, still talk to yeah. all the guys, and, and we say all the yeah. time, like we could do all our own demos and everything. Like I'm in Canada, yeah. and we, I could still do my yeah. parts now. You know, it's it, it's incredible, really. Yeah. It really yeah, me and Eddie used to go down to London, yeah, to work with our band. So we had to go down to London. We had to, and this is just in a day. You know, we'd have about ten songs demos that we had to get done go in the studio and work with our band saying this you know we, we'd have a basic idea of what we're basing things and then they take it on and you didn't have time to say it's going away from it a little bit if it sounded good yeah. you know yeah but in doing that you used to lose a bit because you come back and you'd be all made up and you go oh that's it. yeah it is it's, it's great and then a couple of months later or when you got it on plastic you'd say you know what when you listen back to your whole old original demo you go why did we lose that section there? Yeah, I why totally get that, yeah. That little riff. You know, yeah. why did we lose that? I was singing it. There was a, song, a part I sung which was really happening on the demo. I forgot all about it when we were actually, you know, little things like that. That you, Yeah, um, to I totally get it, yeah. And as yourself now, it's like you say about the harmonies. Well, I could actually sit down, which I'm actually doing at the moment, and I can put 10 harmonies up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, it's um, amazing. So you don't really have to lose anything, you know, which is fantastic. Yeah, actually, I've got to tell you something about the band that I was in. Uh, we actually did a real thing song. We did "Can't Get By," and uh, okay. so we, we did this show. It was it was back in two thousand and two, I think it was, and it was in aid of the the nine uh, eleven, and it was like a yeah. show. It was, what do we call it? We called it "Hands Across the Ocean." Our, our management team called it, and we had like Jerry Marsden perform there. There was a, there was yeah. a load of other people as well. I can't remember, but we but we were put on. And the the guy that was doing it, Paul Brooks, his name is. I don't know if you've if you've heard of him. He's he's fantastic. He um he said right, I want you guys to do a song from a band from Liverpool and a song from a band for, uh, from New York. So he gave okay. us. Uh, we ended up doing a Boys to Men song, was the, an a cappella version of a Boys to Men song for the for the American yeah. side of things. But for the, for the UK, for the Liverpool side, they, they gave us your song. Uh, you know, can't get by. And at the time, I knew yeah. the song, obviously. I mean, everyone knows it, but I yeah. didn't know you guys were a Liverpool band. So I was like, yeah. there's no way this is a Liverpool band. I said, no, no, the, the real thing are from Liverpool. So that was, <laughs> that's when I first discovered that. And we actually went up and we did it at the Philharmonic, which, as you know, is an amazing venue in Liverpool. And yeah, uh, you've performed there loads of times. And, uh, yeah, we got up and we did Can't Get By with the live <laughs> Philharmonic Orchestra backing us. And it was amazing. And I just wish you could yeah. have seen us because I honestly think yeah. you would have been like, wow, you guys, you guys did that justice. It's not an easy song to sing, Can't Get By, because um, it goes from down there right to up there. Yes, you know, yeah. so uh, we'll you've see, got we'll, quite a good range. Well, you, well, you had it a little bit easier because you sing the whole, uh, sorry, a little bit harder because you sing the whole song. We we split it up yeah. into four, four separate parts so that everyone oh, got okay. a little bit of, of the spotlight. <laughs> I mean, typically I was I was the lead singer, but we we did actually for that performance we split it up a little bit. But um, no, it was it was just incredible. Is that that to, to me that was my in all my performances that's been my most proudest moment was was doing that. Oh, good. So I, I just wanted to tell you that anyway, just to share it with you. It was that's absolutely brilliant. amazing. Yeah. So, what song do you think is your? You just mentioned that's a hard vocally challenging song. What what song is is the most vocally challenging for you to perform live? Um, vocally challenging, really. To be quite honest with you, that is probably. It's not. I wouldn't say it was hard. It's not hard for me to sing, but it's the one that. It's 
it goes from like being quite low to quite high. Right, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm more comfortable with it now than I was then, to be quite honest with you. Um, right. But the song that I get the most emotional about is a song that I've only started doing the lead on since Eddie died and since Rayla, which is Children of the Ghetto. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It's so... You can't just sing it. You've got to feel it. You know? Yeah. So every time you do it, there's so much into it. And it hits so many different levels of uh, vocal in the, same, in the song anyway. So that makes it very challenging. So that's probably... I would say the most challenging song that I sing now. It can't get by you to me and all them and force and things like that. They, I find them quite easy to be honest. Yeah. Um, I find them quite easy. But um, well, that those, the, quite... the, the, those are the kind of songs that if if you did make a mistake, it wouldn't matter too much. But with, with Children yeah. of the Ghetto, you've got to yeah. nail it, haven't but, you? You've got because you've got to sing it with emotion and yeah, I get that. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be right on there. If I, if, if, I, if, if I screw up you to me, I can't get by. I just hold the mic to the audience. Exactly. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. If you get it wrong. Yeah, if, I'm problem, if I'm having a problem with my throat, I just put the microphone in front of them. <laughs> let them sing and they love it anyway. So give me some of the best. Perfect. Yeah. So you yeah. mentioned Children of the Ghetto. Obviously, that's quite an emotional yeah. and powerful meaning song that yourself yeah. wrote. Um, it sounds quite different to a lot of your tracks. So was that an intentional thing? Well, you got to understand that before we had any hits, that's what we were writing. That's the type of stuff that we were writing, you know. Um, right. And quite by accident, really, that um, we got into the you to me type thing. And we were quite lucky to do so, don't get me wrong. But nevertheless, that's what we were writing. And we were writing things like Children of the Ghetto and, right. and things like that, that our thing. So um, it wasn't intentional to be different. It just was. And like so many people have covered, especially that song in particular, do you have any favourites that you're like, oh, wow, they've really done it justice there? Do you know, you talking about Children of the Ghetto? Or? Well, any song in particular. But... What song you? Um, I haven't heard, I've heard a lot of karaoke you to make and things. So I'm not really into <laughs> it. No, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm just being honest. Even Frankie Valley covered it oh no yeah terrible um, terrible um, <laughs> it really was um and i haven't heard a decent version of it to be honest but with children of the ghetto there's that many versions that are unbelievable that it's it's quite uh humbling you know uh, people like eddie j Blythe, uh philip bailey from earth when fire courtney pine it, it, the list goes on uh, you i have i've actually lost count of the amount of covers that children of the ghetto has had um, and the beauty about it is that when we actually first recorded Children of the Ghetto on our Four From Eight album, it was like sort of jazzy, and that's how it was meant to be. It was meant to be quite jazz rocky type of thing, which is what we were into at the time when we wrote right. it. And Courtney Pine took his thing from that. That's what he took his arrangement of, his jazz arrangement. And then Eddie and I went in and we redid it. And we give it like a sort of a softer reggae type feel. And that's the, the version that Philip Bailey took his version yeah. from and Phil Collins produced it. And it's amazing that we've had so many covers of both. Uh, we've had real jazz versions of it from like the Swingle Singers in France. I mean, amazing vocal group. Um, 
uh, white vocal group in come from France. Unbelievable, unbelievable vocal version of it. And then you get Mary J. Blythe, you know, real sort of uh, R&B. She covered the uh, Philip Bailey version of it. And, you know, it's just so many uh, young hip-hop artists who use the chorus and do a wrap around it, you know. And um, it's been quite tremendous, actually. I've lost count. I literally have lost count of the amount of covers that the song's had. That's amazing. And I've put it in YouTube. That's and just the, the list. I'm, proud of. I'm not surprised. It's, I said I put it, I put that song in YouTube just to listen to, just to get myself familiar with it again. Just and the mm -hmm. amount of different artists that were covering it was fantastic. Yeah. I was like, yeah. and, and and doing it like taking their own, like you said, interpretation of the song and adding their flavour to it. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. It's a, it's the song that we're most proud of, obviously. I mean, it, yeah. as a musician and as a singer, uh, and that's the song that is everything to me. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's the most it's inspiring. Got the it's got the respect of, uh, uh, of everybody, you know, um, yeah. all musicians. And, uh, and that's always a, a great thing for the artists to have, I feel. You've always got to have that one, that, shows people that there's a little bit of depth yeah. about yeah. your your band and things and that's the one that gives us that sort of depth you know yeah totally agree you yeah. to me gives you the longevity and the sort of <laughs> yeah. play. but children of the ghetto just sad to that because I feel, I feel that as people get older that were digging you to me and that back in the day they've maybe matured a bit and You'd be surprised how many people really want. It's like become the the focal point of our show now, you know. Yeah, which is great. You know? So the documentary, um, everything, the real thing story. Uh, we've I've, we've watched it twice now. We love it. Um, wh where did that first come about? Like to do a documentary? Who came up with the idea of that? Yeah, it was the producer director Simon Sheridan. Um, he um came to see us at a gig. And he, he, he arranged to come in and meet us, you know. And he said, look, he said, I've got this idea. He says, I feel that the real thing have basically been airbrushed out of uh, black music history in England. And I feel that um, there's a story to tell about the group. And a lot of people would be interested to hear it. And we thought, yeah, OK, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, but, you know. As time went on, and it, we, we arranged one or two more meetings, he started coming up with all, a lot of archive stuff that even we hadn't seen. And we thought, this guy's serious. This guy is really serious, you know. And he was spending all his own money and everything on it. It was his idea. And gradually, you know, we, we, we knew then that he was starting to take it very, very seriously. And that's how it all came about, you know. Um, all because of one person. Simon it's amazing how many people just didn't know the story prior to seeing the documentary. My 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 mum is a big fan of the real thing, and she didn't know any of that stuff. And you know, yeah. she she was around when you guys you know first came you know first came out with your first song, and she was just yeah. like mind blown by it. Like it's just to me, yeah. I I actually think, and I'm sure this is bit the idea has been thrown around, but I think it's it's a, it's movie worthy. You could make a really good movie yeah. out of that. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? That's you get something like 90 minutes. It's not many times that the BBC will put a documentary on. 
of a group for 90 minutes. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I'll be honest with you, um, the DVD's out in, in October, but they missed a real amazing sequence out, which is how the movie opened. I, I'm telling you, it's amazing. If you ever get the chance to see it when the DVD comes out, oh, okay. have a I'll look. Get it. Yeah. And oh, you'll, see what, you'll see what I mean. It is unbelievable, the actual intro. And they took it out because it was a little bit heavy. Ah, which, okay. when you look at today's what's going on, yeah, you think to yourself, well, they shouldn't have took that out really um, because it's so relevant to what's going on. But nevertheless, we're just thankful that they didn't cut it down to an hour or something. They showed the whole movie just with mine and that opening sequence you know yeah so that was fantastic but, i think it took you through every emotion didn't it the, just you were sad and then you were happy and then you were sad again it's just it's a yeah. real it's an honest story. documentary it's yeah. an honest we wouldn't have done it if he'd have come in and said it's going to be a documentary and we're going to feature you to me and can't get by we'd have just shown the door basically because yeah. we, we just I wouldn't have been interested but you know part of the reason for allowing to do the documentary was it was going to be an honest hard-hitting documentary as well as all the good sides yeah. because you know yourself being in the business you know there's as many dark times as there are good times in anybody's yeah. career and yeah. but people only know about the good times they only see the good times you know like for instance you don't know sometimes why a band stops having hits or they don't know yeah. why, they don't understand, they think it's just a case of going in the studio and doing another record, and it's not anything yeah. like that when you're actually in the business, it's nothing, it's almost impossible to get a hit record anyway, it's almost impossible. When you yeah. think of the amount of artists that are in the business, the amount of artists that record records and write songs, the amount that actually make it is very, very minimal. So people don't realise that, you know, and I think when you've got a documentary like that, it brings out many reasons why and what goes on in a group and in an artist's career, you know. Definitely. So if they if they did make a movie, who would you pick to play you? <laughs> if you could pick anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I've got no idea. <laughs> it's a tough one, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Actually, um, there is, uh, there, I say this, round about the same time, as Simon come up with this idea, we had another company coming up and they were very, um, very much behind Boys of the Black stuff and all that, you know, that. Oh, fantastic. That, I love that. that was, he loves that and show. They, yeah. Yeah, and they were interested in doing a three-part drama documentary about the group. Um, and, you know, they said, uh, what you've just said actually is what brought it to mind. Um, we would have um, last say on who was to play ourselves and things like that you know and the last time we heard from them actually it was about 15 months ago it was after okay. Eddie died anyway because they were still interested in doing it um but I haven't heard from them since but with the lockdown and everything um that's taken a year off really to be quite honest with you so we may hear from them again but yeah and um, they're interested in doing a series as well I'd love oh, to fantastic. see that come about I would absolutely love it yeah it's good yeah. because like with with that documentary, we got to see you, your personality, and you could tell that Eddie was kind of a joker kind of character. 
it's it's good that we got to see not just the real thing, but the guys behind the name. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's, 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 it's it got good insight. Yeah, it makes every sense, and that's what the documentary is about, and that's what documentaries really should be about, you know. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, none of them parts were done together. So all the individual interviews were done separately. So, you know, you weren't feeding off each other. Like, you know, yeah. so a lot of the time, you were the band. You feed off each other, you know, and sort of. Yeah. Um, it's a whole it's different vibe when you're doing it yourself and you're all getting asked the same questions right yeah it's <laughs> true yeah it's funny how it's it's strange how people see things slightly different you know yeah see things slightly different as to what's happened in your career and why you know and things like that even though you've talked about it time and time again it's not until you're on your own and you've got to come up with your view that you realize that you didn't quite see it that way I yeah. saw it this way, you know. It's, it's great. It's, it's brilliant, yeah. So, obviously, you to me are everything. Massive hits. Every wedding party you go to, I'm up dancing to it. I just yeah. wonder if you've heard the um, Liverpool chant, the Oxaline Chamberlain one that's been changed to um, the tune of you to me are everything, but it's Oxaline Chamberlain. I don't think you're a red or a blue. I think you're a red. I'm a red. Yeah, I good. Heard it, no. Right, <laughs> Kelly, singer, come on. <laughs> You to me are everything, my Alex Axelene Chamberlain, oh baby, oh baby. He was with us when we made it six and now he's dating Little Mix, oh baby. Yeah, Yeah, that's what... Yeah, the Liverpool fans, they chant chant that sometimes to them. Oxlade Chamberlain. So I just, <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I hear it now. It's brilliant. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> like, there's a song in there somewhere. Tell Alex, yeah, there's a song in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually work at Anfield, so I'll try and pass the message on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell them I'll do them a sound bite for this phone. Brilliant. <laughs> Ringtone. <laughs> So what's what's the songwriting process for you, Chris? Like when you when you when you're writing a song, like how do you go about it? Like so for me, when I write a song, I'll, I'll try and come up with the melody first, and then try and fit lyrics into it. How, yeah. how does it work for well, you? What I'm doing, basically, what I was doing when you phoned actually, is it depends. Sometimes if I'm going along in the car and I'll come up, just a nice lyric will come up with a nice little tune, and I'll sort of like put my phone on quick and just get it down while it's, you know, just without anything, right? And so I'm safe then, because you know yourself, one minute you're singing something, and it sounds great, you know, and you're thinking, that's great, that, that's really good. I'm going to remember this. And sort of, you're singing it that much, that in the end, you forget it, you know? Yeah, it's gone, yeah. yeah. And you you lose the original sort of thing. So basically, um, what I tend to do is get my phone out quick and sing it down. (laughs) But normally what I do is... I'll come up, I play bass, you see. So I like to, a lot of the time, have a drum bass thing down and come up with a nice line to go over it, you know, a nice feel line, and then add the chords to it and things like that. And sometimes it's just like, a you know, playing a bit of piano or a bit of guitar, and I'll come up with an idea, put it down just 
dead quickly on Garage Band or something, and then come back to it later on and start embellishing, you know. Um, now, Eddie used to, used to sit like, when we were on the road and things, and he'd be thinking on the guitar, playing on the guitar. So I know he used to come up with a lot of his ideas on guitar, you know. Ah, okay, yeah. And things. I do things a little bit different. I, I'm not really into that. I like to do what I'm doing now. I like to be sat down. I like to have everything set up. And if I've got a really good idea for a bass riff, that's my start normally. Oh. Unless I'm writing a ballad. If I'm writing a ballad, it's a slightly, slightly different thing, you know. Yeah. But if I'm just feeling good writing, I like to have a really good bass riff over a nice, just a basic drum track. And then I'll start putting like nice little bits of percussion in. That's what gets me off percussive right. on the bass. And then just adding a bit of like piano things yeah, like that. That's interesting. And then I'll and then I'll come up with a lyric or melody afterwards and then it'll start changing. Chords yes. will start changing a bit and to go with the melody and yeah. That's awesome. So can you feel a force? It kinda of reminds me of a bit earth, wind and fire kind of vibe. Yeah. Is there any awesome in particular that Oh, I too, September, my favourite song. Earth, <laughs> Earth um, Wind and Fire um, were and are, for me, probably one of the best bands that has ever been because, for me, they had everything. Not only were they unbelievable vocal group, yeah. they were unbelievable band, they were fantastic writers, they had everything. Um, so they were, as, as far as writing goes, our inspiration, Earth, Wind and Fire, I would say, right from the very, very early Shining Star days. Oh, I picked up on the right thing then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. yeah, yeah, Feel the Force and all them. Funny enough, and the Isley Brothers were a, a huge influence on us too. Um, right. Huge influence. Um, and I remember when we wrote Feel the Force, we were working with Oh, we were due to work with an American guy, black guy, who used to be with Epic. And he went out on his own. And he wanted us to come over to record with um, a guy called M. Tume, who used to be with Miles Davis. And M. Tume and Lucas were the guys behind the first Madonna hit. And uh, Roberta Flack, um, back together, you know, all them behind. Oh, yeah. And... While I was there, I remember he wanted us to talk to Ronald Isley because at one point they were going to produce us. And it's funny because they would have actually been the ones to produce that. Had it come off, if they had been in the middle of their own album at the time, they would have produced that and they would have actually produced Can You Feel the Boss, which would have been right. unbelievable for me. Unbelievable. If you, could, if you could pick one standout moment in the band's history for you, what, what, what's your favourite? Your favourite standout moments? Well, getting to getting in the charts. Yeah, yeah. In the charts. I mean, yeah. you can't beat that. I mean, that is the dream. You know, yeah. that's everybody's. You know, no matter who you are, as soon when you pick up a guitar or a bass, what you're thinking is being a, a pop star. Yeah. And then as you start to improve, you think maybe getting into jazz or you know you go away from the pop thing or whatever. But that's what you dream when you first start out. You know, and we did it. You know, so that was the most fantastic uh, time. 
The next one to that, I reckon, is when Phil Collins phoned and asked me to cover This Must Be Love, which was a track of his album. Wow. And, when, and then when he produced Philip Bailey, Children of the Ghetto, and he phoned me up to ask me if he could change one line on it. Right, on, you, in the song. Did you and like them? Just, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it was just a, a word. Um, we used to sing, There's no inspiration to brighten up the day. And he wanted to change it to, There's just inspiration oh, okay. to brighten up the day. So, uh, you know, these are like stand up, standout times. And when we went to America, was another standout time. And we, re, we, we, we went with David Essex, but we were doing our own spot before he came on, on the bottom line in New York. And we had to get a band when we got over there. And the band, our manager, Tony Hawkers, were um, uh, Reggie Lucas, who was part of the M2MA thing, uh, Jerry Brown, who played with Stanley Clark, and who's the other guy? Jerry Brown. Uh, oh, and John Lee, who played with a guy called Larry Coriel. These are all huge jazz musicians, black jazz musicians, not wow. black, white as well, musicians in America. And um, but basically, to be working with the, these people when you're 18, 19, 20 years old is, well, you couldn't ask for more. That's, they changed us completely. Oh, yeah. um, it changed us completely when we work with them guys. Um, so... If it was going to be a standout movement that changed your life or changed your whole perspective towards what you were doing, I would have to say that was when we went to America and worked with them guys. Because I bought all the albums with these guys on. Oh, that's I was amazing. Into the jazz then, you know, I was into the jazz funk thing then. And I brought their albums and there they were. <laughs> that's I'd amazing. Like, Rod Stewart and everybody sitting in front. Right, because it was a specially invited thing the first night at the bottom line. Yeah. And, you know, just sat in the front. And we're on stage before Essex comes on, just me, Dave, and Ray, because Eddie wasn't with the band then. And, you know, you got these guys back in, you know, I mean, how good can it get? That's amazing. How wow. good can it get? Wow. You know? So, is there anyone you'd like to collaborate with in the future? Um,. The one I would have loved to have done something with would have been Luther Vandross. Oh, oh. Yeah. what a guy, man. What a voice. <laughs> that would have been absolutely unbelievable. But, you know, I will collaborate with anybody who I think has got a real talent. Because, right. to be honest with you, there are so many great singers. Um, mainly female singers I would like to collaborate with to be honest, mainly female singers, um, because of the, the texture that it could have. Yeah. I did one, I did one with um, um, a lady called Debbie Bishop, who um, at the time she was quite big because she, she was an actress and she was in a series called Widows uh, at the time, which was a huge series. I think it was on the one of them. 
And that was the only time I've worked with a female singer that was brilliant. It was called, it was a Melvin Bragg um, play written by Howard Goodall, who was um, well known for white, writing West End plays. And, and it was called No Choir of Angels. So that's the only time I've collaborated. But I'd collaborate with anyone who I feel is, has got a good talent, you know. And what's, what's, your, what's your driving force to still be performing with the real thing today? Like, why, 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 why you and Dave, like, why, you, obviously, because you could sing on your own, but what, what is it, what's the driving force to keep you and Dave doing what you do? Well, me and Dave have been together since we were 14. Um, yeah. So there will never be anybody else, there was never, ever going to be anybody else uh, coming in or going out of the band. That was it. Um, and we still love doing what we do, and the chemistry is still there. The fans still want it, and yeah. that's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us going. If we didn't think that we had a base, well, then we probably would have gone off onto different things, you know. Yes, yeah. Well, speaking of fans, my cousin Lynn, she's a massive fan of your voice. She loves, you're her favourite voice ever. So I couldn't speak oh, to you today without, um, without just mentioning that. And she, she's um, sent a question on saying, when uh, when are you planning to be on tour again? Because she's seen you in the perform in the past and she'd love to see you again. Yeah. Well, we were meant to be doing the Philharmonic next month, but uh, that's off. Ah. Um, we'll be doing the Philharmonic next year, definitely. Okay, um, perfect. We did a gig We did a gig last week, um, a, a, a drive-in cinema down south, which was fantastic. And that's going to become the new norm. Um, so hopefully, you know, things are going to start opening up again. And, um, yeah, we'll be back on. Oh, perfect. But definitely, definitely the Philharmonic next year, definitely. Oh, should be made up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so, Chris, we, we've got five questions and then we're going to wrap up the interview. But these, these five questions are like quick-fire questions that we ask okay. uh, pretty much all of our guests. And uh, okay. the, some of them are quite difficult, but um, they're always interesting answers. So it, you be, I know your answers will be amazing, so... If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you those five questions now. By the way. Okay. The first question is, which one song defines you? And it doesn't have to be a real thing song, but which one song would you say defines you? The song that I'm singing now, as a matter of fact, Children of the Ghetto, that defines me as a singer. Okay. Yeah. And you can hear that now on YouTube because we've just put a new version of it on. The new version with me and Dave. And so you can hear that on YouTube. Oh, nice. So, I want to check that out. Children of the Ghetto defines me as a singer. Good answer. What is the perfect meal? <laughs> perfect meal for me is lamb chops and rice. Lamb chops. You know, I haven't oh. had lamb chops for years because they don't... <laughs> they don't. Do you know this question always sparks me off because I love food, but they don't do lamb in Canada. It's not a meat you get here. And oh, I love well. I love a lamb shank. Yeah, a minty lamb. <laughs> yeah, you just can't get That's it here. Lamb shank, lamb chops, and uh, yeah. rice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next question is: um, Can you tell us something about yourself that no one else knows? A little Chris Amu fact. Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah, um, one thing that people don't know about me is I'm a loving person. I'm very easy to get, very very easy going. I, I do everything around the house. I, I, my wife sits on the couch and I look after her. I do everything. And this is what people don't know about me. They all think I'm hard and hard to live with. 
and things like that. But what they don't understand, <laughs> very easy to learn, and that's it. That's what they don't understand. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Um, next question is, what inspires you? What inspires me is um, anytime I hear a great record or a great singer or a great anything to do with our business and it really yeah. does inspire me to want to get upstairs and get creative <laughs> and the uh, the last question is um favorite place to be where's your favorite place to be dubai dubai I love dubai yeah but i also love being home because um i just love being home sort of to just do what i want to do with um, with my dogs and my wife and things like that, and it's it's fantastic. But if you're going to ask me, where would I want to be right now? <laughs> yeah. Good place to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to go there. <laughs> Never been. That looks amazing, though. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Um, just I just want to say thank you very much for for giving us your time. It's honestly been a pleasure. I've been a fan of the band for for twenty years now, and like ever since I got up on stage <laughs> and sang. So it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to to chat with you. So I just want to say thank you very no much. And, uh, and ho- hopefully you'll be doing a show next time I'm visiting and uh, I'll come and see you. Yeah, well, when we're in the Philharmonic? Oh, no, because you're in Canada, aren't you? Yeah, well, you never know. I come home often, so if I'm back, okay. I'll be there. Well, <laughs> check, out, check, out, check out Children of the Ghetto on YouTube. I will do. Oh, we definitely will, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's only, only it'll, it's, it'll say Children of the Ghetto on you and you'll see a picture of me and Dave okay. on, the, on, on the thing. And... Um, that's the latest version of it, which we're quite proud of. Excellent. Nope. And I'll, I'll, well, I'll send. A, I'll, I'll send. I don't know if it's your manager or a contactor, but I'll send him a copy of the uh, a link to the interview if you want to have a listen back. Please do. Yeah, please do. Okay, will do. Cheers, Chris. You take care. Take it okay. easy, man. Bye now. Cheers. Bye. Bye. without you. I need you more day. The way I'm feeling about you leaves nothing more to say. So there we go. Was our interview there with Chris Amu. Just want to say thanks again to Chris for for coming on. It was wonderful. And hopefully, you know, one day we'll we'll be able to talk to him again because it was like I I could have spoke to him for another hour. Do you know what I mean? I just I felt like yeah. I always feel rude keeping people on, so I like I like to try and stick to the time slot. But uh, yeah, it was just so nice. And the weird thing, he the, seems yeah. Go on. I just he seemed like he was having enjoying the the interview as well. Like he was enjoying talking about his music and. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it's 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 tough coming being in a band that's from Liverpool because you never you're always going to be underneath the Beatles, aren't you? That's the it's just always going to happen. (laughs) So it's nice to to uh, to talk about you know another band that I've literally like they they've they've set uh, what's the word I'm looking for they they've set the tone, haven't they? You know, like they were like the first big uh, UK soul band, and if they're from our city. And that, but everyone thought they were American, didn't they? For yeah, a long time. because they don't sing. They don't the sing with the accents. They sing. They sing. They sing with the soul. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just uh, yeah. I, even I didn't know. Like yeah, me in the interview said so I didn't know they were from Liverpool. And they, no, you know our, our manager was saying you guys are going to cover one of the songs from the real thing because they're a Liverpool band. And we listened to it. I'm like they're not from Liverpool. It was just so so strange. But but uh, 
absolutely incredible. That was that was so lovely. It was a great interview. So again, thanks very much, Chris. So yeah. moving on from that, because we are going to wrap things up shortly. Kelly's got a little mini game to play here, Craig. So what's what's it called, and I what have. are the rules? I tailored it especially for you, Craig. Um, based on your friendship <laughs> with Gavin, because you've been friends for a very, very long time, and I thought we could play it. What you having, Gavin? So the game's called What You're Having, Gavin. Yeah. What are you having, Gavin? So if you get that, everyone, it rhymes. Okay, so go on. So it's basically, we've got five questions, and um, we're going to ask you, Craig, about Gavin, because you've been friends for so long, you should hopefully know the answers. <laughs> and then um, if you give us your answer, Gavin's already sent me what he thinks you will answer with. So it should be quite funny to kind of compare the answers. So, are you ready? Uh, uh. <laughs> so the first one is, what does Gavin miss the most about the UK besides friends and family? Um, Liverpool. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, okay, that is the answer, but he thought you would say going on walks. Going on long walks. <laughs> well, that, that, that is, but but you're right though, mate. That is the answer. I do miss it Liverpool. Is the answer. That's it that, is that's the so answer. so crazy that you got that because I was trying to think what you'd say. So I was like, I think he's going to say I miss going on walks because we that's what me and him do. <laughs> I don't miss going on walks at all. So okay, we'll get ready for it because it'll be happening when I come back. <laughs> oh, that's impossible because I don't live around with you anymore. Well, I get David A to come and pick it up and drop you back off. Yep. It's not going to be available every night. <laughs> I didn't say every night. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a taxi. I'll wait some morning on taxis. <laughs> David, he's going to be um, driving you to Manchester and back just to take that walk. Um, <laughs> so, question number two is What does Gavin hate the most about living in Canada? Oh, um. I don't know. Oh, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't. I don't think anything wrong. With there, there is. There is, mate. And it, I, I like. I'm not. I'm not supposed to speak here, but if you think about it, it's quite obvious. No, no. Clues. That's all right. That's all I'm saying. And it's got nothing to. We have to. We have to do. Have to put rules in. One of the rules is it's nothing to do with missing friends and family. Yeah, it's nothing to do with that. It's something to do with Canada specific. Yeah. Of what he hates about it. See, I would have guessed differently, and I'll tell you my guess after Craig's answered. I'll be here for that. Driving? No. Driving? I do hate no, that, he's... but no. He does hate that, but he said the winter months. And we do know he hates winter, but I thought you would have said people not understand your accent because you hate it yeah. when you try to order food and they don't understand you because you make me order the yeah, food when we're there. Yeah, as well. That's only as well. No, mate. It happened once <laughs> while you were there. It happens all the time for me. <laughs> No. I can't order turkey in a restaurant. <laughs> There's no point unless I, unless I give up, give in and go. I'll have a turkey sandwich. There's no point in me saying I'll have turkey. It's because they just go. Well, that's not even on the menu. Well, it is. It's on page two. So fuck off. <laughs> I always struggle with water. Yeah. Well, we said that. What's what we, me and him said once? The waitress came over and said, we're, "We're ready to order now." She goes, "Okay." Walked away from us. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> she come back with a big pail of water. She thought we'd say, "Can we have some water?" I said, "Order." 
Yeah, I was like, and then in the end, I went water, and she's like, okay, yes, I'll get you that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so number three um, is what is your earliest memory of you and Gavin? Earliest memory. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's a fucking playground thing, isn't it? Well, what is it? What is it? What's that? What? <laughs> It's a specific. Pushing and shoving each other, looking at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. <Seven. laughs> I was, I, I, bear in mind, we were about fucking five. And I was making, I had a pile of rocks I was collecting and he kicked it all down. And I see my ass pushed him, he pushed me. I pushed him back and we just looked at each other and walked away. <laughs> so your little mini fight on the playground, that is the correct answer. So number four... What annoys you the most about Gavin? <laughs> uh, Struggling to think of one, isn't he? Probably making random food that I don't want. Oh, I thought he was going <laughs> to. I honestly thought he was going to say what I put on the list. Then when he said making random, I was like, oh, he's well onto it and he's changed it. Fuck. No, because you said, okay, he thought you would say either. You nag him, or the random noise that he makes. <laughs> yeah, that's what. I, sorry, yeah, the random noise that that wasn't. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I said he thought he was going to put nagging because I nag him about stuff. What's but... the random noise? Well, no. For one, of... <laughs> is that one of the questions? Did we leave that on? No. No. Okay. So one of the questions was going to be, "What's my worst habit?" And I thought you would have put making random noises. <laughs> Because we'll be sitting in the middle of a room and I'll just go, do you know, dear? Or something oh. stupid, you know, like... Eh. That doesn't annoy me, I always laugh. Yeah, I know, but, like, it's not... I know, yeah, I got it confused. I meant not annoy you, but what's me most... What's my what's my bad habit? And I'd say me bad habit. I thought you would have said me making stupid noises, but we didn't even put that on there. Because we'll be sitting there and I'll just... What's the sea bass one? Sea bass? Yeah. Do you know Daddy's saying... Oh, that's it. Do you know Daddy's saying... I can't remember. Just stupid noise. See what I mean? Doesn't even make sense. And the other one uh, where he says, "And your souls are in there." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you what? I don't know your what he says. It's, it's you something like, you, you, like your, your old souls are in the. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is this the same guy for the hospital? Yeah, there's a drunk fella there called C60. We call, we call him Seabass. <laughs> C60. He, he always comes in drunk, or he did anyway. He's probably dead now. <laughs> That's a classic. I know. Okay, and the last one, you'd be pleased to know, is what is the best memory you have with Gavin? Sounds like a love I know, yeah. I don't reckon he'll get this. You know, I, for some reason, I don't reckon he'll get what I've said. So think of a good memory, mate, between you and me. Um, just, just you and me? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say like a podcast podcast, but uh... nah, it's just like a view of me. You need to put just the two of us in here now. I know, yeah. In the background, <laughs> a fond memory that you've had, like a day out or a trip somewhere. Hello. Um. Been loads. Is the one standout one? (laughs) (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Maybe when you've... No, don't help him. I know you haven't helped him. I shouldn't know. I don't know. <laughs> the favourite thing that you've done? Like in this country or in Canada? Well, it could be anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> anywhere in the world. This is where you need to play just the two of us. I know, we need to play something, Christ. Well, <laughs> at times I can probably think of like, just the times just me and him just walking around Halifax, just like taking the piss out of things. All right, he's, he's, he's clearly not got it, so I'm going to help him to see if he can get it. So you just said the, the two of us walking around. So think of that. So think of another time when you and me have walked around somewhere and it's like a mem- we talk about it all the time. Well, not all the time, but occasionally I go, man, when we did that. In fact, I'll just say it, but at the time when we were walking around, I remember saying to you, this is this is something we'll always talk about. I remember saying that to you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Gettysburg, yeah. <laughs> when we were in America, we, we walked through the battlefield in Gettysburg, and it was frigging roasting. For some reason, he had a suit jacket on. It's like a Swede, like yeah, it's like a suede material. Yeah, it was weird. It's really weird, like. (laughs) And it's when you had long hair as well, long ginger hair. (laughs) His mum tried to dye his hair blonde, and it went ginger. (laughs) I can't imagine Craig with long hair. Oh, I'll send you the picture. It's great. (laughs) Um, I have have long hair not long ago. I cut it off. Yeah, oh, I've seen, yeah. seen it. It wasn't that long, was it? It was longer, but it wasn't as long as it was in Gettysburg. We're talking, about, yeah, yeah. Are we talking like a barb or longer than a barb? Could you put it in a bubble? Uh, probably a little, a little tiny one. <laughs> like pearls. I have had a ponytail. Yeah, that, that's when it was ginger. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll send you the picture of it. He was basically <laughs> trying... You can admit what can't, you were trying to copy me, weren't you? Uh. <laughs> I love the way he doesn't want to admit it. Oh, did you both have ponies? Yeah, we both had long hair back then. It was like that's what I mean. My hair is shit. My hair is dead thick. It's because you don't look after it properly. It was all it was all bushy. No, it's thick anyway. The one that gets long, it's fucking thick. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. We are going. We're going to. Yeah. Is that that? That's it, isn't it? That's the game. That is the game, and I think he scored about three points. We give him. There you we go. Five. Yeah. So next time we play this, we'll see if Gavin can beat the three. So instead of it called "What are you having, Gavin?" it's going to be called "What What did you say, Craig?" <laughs> what do you say, <laughs> Craig? Something like that. We'll think, we'll work on the name. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up now, but we are going to play this episode out with um, a live version of the real thing um, with one of their like. This is like. I think this is probably the best song they've ever written, to be honest. This is called Children of the Ghetto. And it's been covered by, like, Mary G. Blige. Um, the, I can't remember his name. The lead singer of uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, amongst a lot of other people. It's been it's been covered by so many different artists. But it's originally yeah. it was written by The Real Thing, um, by Chris and his brother Eddie. And it's, it's just amazing. And uh, Chris has asked us to play this track um, at the end of the episode so we're going to do that now so thank you everyone for listening as always very quickly about the website it's majorsmesshall.com go to Instagram is uh, Mess Hall Podcast. Twitter is uh, at 
Majors Mess Hall. Facebook, just search us on Facebook if you'll find us. Uh, Patreon, if you want to help donate to us monthly, you can do it. It's patreon.com forward slash Majors Mess Hall. And all the money that we accumulate from our patrons goes straight back into the podcast. So again, thank you very much for everyone for listening. And uh, we're going to be back again with another great guest we're not going to announce yet for the next episode. And I also want to say thanks to Craig for um, sticking by us. And also to Kelly as well for stepping in. You're Great. Do you want to acknowledge me saying that about you? Well, I'm always here anyway. Oh, David Hayes is outside. Get your bag. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget your passport. All right. And we'll be back soon. So, yeah. Take it easy, guys. And here is uh, the real thing with Children of the Ghetto.
Talking about the ghetto. Yeah. Talking about the ghetto. 